On your seat is a card. It looks like this, Hope Lives. So we have two main focuses this year. So I'm going to talk about it for just a moment, and we'll move on. Royal Family Kids. Uh, We've heard a couple weeks ago, RFK puts on summer camps for foster kids, as well as mentorships and adoptions. So there's a lot more information in the brochure that's also on your seat and and on their website. So check that out. So we want to come alongside this ministry and provide um, for three summer camps of $4,000 each, totaling $12,000. That's a lot of money. But you also can sponsor, uh, fund the camp, uh, fund one week of camp, one day of camp, even a half day of camp, break that down. Decide as a family what you want to do this year for Royal Family Kids. The second focus is hope and friendship to help those in our own communities. Would you be willing to, to bring in some bulk um, items, some toilet paper, paper towels, uh, napkins, even laundry detergent? Some are already out and the tree there. We have some here. It's looking great. Thank you for doing that. And uh, as you shop, pick up some extra and bring it in with you. Thank you for doing that. And there's a third way that's not on the card, but it's a way of helping uh, those individuals or families in our church right here who are facing some, some hard times financially. Um, if you'd like to give to, to them as well, you can write on the envelope of benevolence, and it will go to help them as well. So this year is about giving, like it is every year. Over and above your tithes and offerings, you can give in two ways. Designate on the white envelope um, your amount, and then write Advent Conspiracy. Or you can give online your amount and, and designate it Advent Conspiracy as well. So thank you, church family, for your generosity. As you can see and tell, Pastor Jim and Jill are still in Seattle enjoying snow out there as well. And uh, they got some snow and made some uh, snowmen out there. So uh, he's got a taste of Chicago out there. So they'll be back this week. Well, Advent Conspiracy is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. This is the third Sunday. So we talked about, you know, aligning our hearts to the true meaning of Christmas, to worship fully, to, to give God access to every part of our life. Advent Conspiracy also challenges us to spend less. Instead of getting caught up in the frantic, you know, out-of-control spending that we do for one another, spend less and give more. So we can do something greater this Christmas season by spending less. We can support royal family kids. We can help hope and friendship and those in our own church who are in need. It could be single adults. It could be single parents, families in our church and communities struggling financially, or foster kids in in need of some desperate hope for their own life and future. And in the past, like I said last week, Calvary Church has risen to the challenge. You've risen to the challenge. Last week, we, we talked and about the lives of three young people in, in the Bible. Uh, to Mary and Joseph, 12-year-old Jesus, wasn't, he wasn't lost in the father's house, he, but he was worth looking for. To Jacob, 17-year-old Joseph, the dreamer, was worth listening to. To Jesse, David, the shepherd, newly anointed king, he was worth investing in. And the point I came with you last week was this. People are worth looking for, listening to, and investing in. People. They're worth our time and our money. When we're able to spend less on ourselves, we are free to see others and their needs. We're able to listen to their stories and invest our dollars to make a real difference in their lives. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say it twice. The best gifts that we give... Celebrate relationships. 
The best gifts that you and I give, they celebrate relationships. I remember when I was a kid making projects in school, and one particular year um, in elementary school, we made ashtrays. I don't know if you're my age or remember that, but <laughs> my parents didn't even smoke, you know, so we, we made ashtrays, and so we got the clay and some kind of a deformed shape, and, and then we gave it to our teacher who put it in the oven and baked it, and then we got to paint it, you know, and then he put a seal on it. You remember this, right? And then we got to wrap it, and here, Mom, Dad. <laughs> you know, kind of awkward, you know, they didn't smoke, but... Um, put their keys in it or something, but that was a gift that, that we gave um, my parents. I remember when my kids were younger, and uh, they do the same thing. They'd come home with their school-made projects, you know, here's a present, whether it's Valentine's Day or, you know, whatever it was, and, and, and give us that. It was, you know, glued macaroni and, and twisted tissue paper, you know, and, and then there would be cotton balls somewhere glued on there. <laughs> Or, you know, colored pipe cleaners, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? And you're like, you're like, great, awesome. <laughs> and a lot of those, you know, I have a file in my office, and I'm going to embarrass my daughter, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> this is, I don't know what this is, and I can't read the writing, but it's from, from, I think, my son, D, and then I think my daughter made one too, from Danielle to Dad. It's awesome. Sorry, honey. <laughs> Let's see what this is. Happy Valentine's Day, Mom and Dad, to Dad from Danielle. (laughs) Let's see this little creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. All right, she made that. Everybody say, aww. She must have been bored at church because there's an offering envelope. (laughs) It's got a manger scene in there. It's awesome. Manger scene with the angels. That's awesome. Such a good artist. Here's our family. Right? Here's a creation. I'm not sure what that is, but it's uh, something there. Looking through my files yesterday, or or Friday, and, and just remembering the kids. They grow up so fast. Um, their gifts didn't cost much money, you know, they, but it was from them. It was from their creativity. It was from their hearts. You parents, you understand. My kids, our relationship is so much more important than, than any Christmas gift. It's the person behind the gift that's most important. I want you to take a moment and think about the people in your life. Think about the people in your life. The ones maybe that are nearby, close to you. The ones that live far away. The ones that maybe you work with or that you go to school with. The people in your life that maybe you worship with here. We often approach family and friends and people wanting something from them. We want them to bless us, to encourage us, to show interest in our lives and to show interest in our kids or our families, to offer us hope and to offer us love and support. We want them to be sad when we're sad and to be happy when we're happy. Whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we, we want things from others. We want affirmation. We want acceptance. We want to be served. We want to be thought of and remembered on our birthdays. 
this Christmas season, this new year that's right around the corner, let's approach our relationships wanting something for them from us. Let's be the ones to offer blessings, that much-needed encouragement to show interest in them and their lives, to give hope and love and support. Let it come from our hearts with deepest sincerity and deepest genuineness, the kind of love for others you know, that doesn't come naturally, right? We need, we need help. We need God's love to help us to, to love others. You see, when we truly grasp the grace and the love that God has for us, light bulbs go off and we can turn around and give that to others because of what he's done for us. Advent conspiracy is, again, challenging our thinking to, to give more. Now, that sounds like we're contradicting ourselves to spend less only to give more. But it's a different kind of giving. Giving can be money, all right, to help those in real need, of course. But giving can also be ourselves, our time, our energy, our presence. By giving more to others, we are serving them. By giving more to our family and friends, we're humbling ourselves. You see, being humble isn't about thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And at some point in our lives, some point in our journey, whether we're young or middle-aged or older, whether we realize it or not, we all have had trouble thinking of ourselves more than others. We struggle with this, what about me, disease. I understand this morning that everyone in this room probably understands and knows the Christmas story, the angelic announcement to the Virgin Mary, to the angels to the confused Joseph, the the Bethlehem trip on a donkey, the smelly stable, the baby Jesus, the shining star, the the lowly shepherds, and the gift-giving wise men. We understand that, and it's an amazing, it's an amazing story. Why God chose to come like that, that's, that's the irony, that's the mystery, but he did. Can I challenge you this morning, try not to be lulled to sleep by its importance, We get that it's more than Christmas trees and decorations and chaotic shopping and Santa and reindeer and the North Pole. And we get that it's more than the cold and the snow and the sights and the sounds this time of year. It's more than even Christmas songs and it's more than even going to church and receiving gifts from loved ones. It's so much more than that. Something very significant happened 2,000 years ago. And to quote theologian Tom Wright, he said this, Jesus exploded into the life of ancient Israel, the life of the whole world, in fact, not as a teacher of timeless truths, nor as a great moral example, but as the one through whose life, death, and resurrection, God's rescue operation was put into effect. The reason for the season has always been Jesus. He is the Christ in Christmas. And the challenge to you and the challenge to me is to give more. Not just gifts or presents, although that is a part of Christmas, but ourselves to one another. So what happened when God gave us his son, his one and only son? Well, God gave us his presence. Jesus, the divine son of God, entered our story as a human baby. 
To quote the authors of the book, Advent Conspiracy, Can Christmas Still Change the World? They said this, The miracle of Christmas is the infinite becoming finite, an infant fully human and still fully God. That really is the miracle. The real miracle of Christmas is that God gave us himself. God is the original giver. He's the originator of giving more. For God so loved the world, he gave. God the Father gave his one and only Son. God's a giver. 1 John 1.14 says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The message paraphrase says it this way, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. Jesus came to earth and became human. God became one of us. God didn't give us material things to receive or to satisfy our souls. You know those things rust, those things break, they wear out. Those things don't ultimately satisfy us in this life at all. We know that. We think they do, but they don't. But God gave more by sending his only son to be born for us. By being born, he demonstrated amazing love by ultimately going to the cross to die for our sins. And God did all of that because it, it, was something, it wasn't something we needed, but someone we always think that we need things, but in reality, we need Him. We need Him. We needed a Savior. An angel spoke to Joseph in a dream in Matthew chapter 1. It says this, and they will call Him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We just sang about it. God is with us. God gave us Himself, His presence. God has a face and a voice, and He lived with real people through His Son, Jesus it's no small thing that God gave us his presence. And that presence was a real man. I want to remind you this morning that you may be facing the hardest challenge or the most a difficult situation in your life on a personal level. You might be facing a giant um, of a problem in your finances or maybe in your marriage, in, in your kids' life, or maybe at your job. You might be struggling with an addiction or some... Struggle, you fill in the blank in your life. And the accuser, the enemy, he likes to whisper into your ear. But I want to tell you this morning, no matter what you're facing in your life, be comforted today that God is for you. He's with you. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but he's with you. His name is Emmanuel. God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. You need to cling to that truth. Hear me today. God's presence is with you. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever hardship, his presence is with you. Reach out to him. God gave us himself. But that wasn't all. God's gift of Jesus was personal. It was personal. Luke chapter 2. This very day in King David's hometown, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. 
A Savior has been born for you. That's a very personal gift. And all throughout the Gospels, Jesus simply liked being around people. He took time to be with people because they truly mattered. He intentionally paid attention to them. He listened and he noticed them. It didn't matter to Jesus if they were rich or poor. It didn't matter to to him if they were well or sick. He touched them anyway. It didn't matter to him if they were important leaders or if they were the ignored and the forgotten, the overlooked. He, He loved them all. Read the Gospels. You'll see it. He loved people. He loved being around them. Jesus did everything that people in a hurry forget to do. Wow. Jesus did everything that people in a hurry forget to do. I know I'm guilty of that. And this gift of God is is personal to you and to me, even today. This wasn't just a generic, impersonal gift for the masses. Very impersonal and just out there. No, it was personal. Jesus is personal. Jesus told us there's a real enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life and mine. But he didn't stop there with that little fact for us to just walk away and think about. He then followed up that fact with this. I've come, Jesus said, to give you life in all its fullness. Know what the enemy wants to do in your life, but know that what I've come to do, to give you life. He's personal. He meets us right where we're at. So if you're in doubt this morning about God's love for you today, because maybe what's happened in your life in the past or what you're going through right now, maybe you're doubting, does God really love me? Does he even know where I'm at, what's going on inside of me? God sent a gift to you in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves you. It was personal. It's not just for the masses. It's for you today. You matter to him. So God gave us himself, that gift, Jesus, his son. It was personal. And God's gift was costly. It was costly. God's son, Jesus, left heaven and became a servant. He became a man. He paid the ultimate price for you and me. The the apostle Paul, he helps us understand exactly what Jesus did for us. In, in, In the book of Philippians, he says this. Although he, Jesus, was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of this equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance. Verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. This is why God has given him an exceptional honor, the name honored above all other names, so that at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven on earth and in the world below will kneel and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. The gift God gave was costly. Jesus intentionally took on the form of a servant. He didn't force his way into this world as a powerful king that he is. He instead chose to enter the story in the humblest of ways. Again, that's the the irony of Christmas. He left heaven and came here. A true king humbling himself in the lowest of ways and becoming like one of us. The gift of God cost him everything. 
God sent his son to be born and to die and to rise from the dead. That was a high price to pay as a father, giving his only son. You see, this Christmas, know that God didn't hold anything back from you. God didn't give you second best. God didn't keep the best for him and just give you a little bit. God gave his best to us. It was worth it to him to give us his son because he loves you. He loves me. Jesus willingly gave up his life by going to the cross. He willingly paid the cost. Yes, God's gift was was costly. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. You see, giving is still a good way to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Our giving, you and I, can actually reflect in some small way the power and the beauty of God coming into the world for you and I as one of us. So when we give, we're we're like God. We know that God gave us his presence, so we need to follow his lead and give our presence with a C to others. Today, you know, we... We use text and email and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and lots of other ways to communicate with one another. But that can never, listen, that can never replace the face-to-face with the people in our lives. Think about those people again in your world, in your circle. We need to be with each other, to hear one another's voice, to, to hold another's hand, to see their face. It's a reminder that we're not alone. We're not alone. When we take the time to be with someone, it's a relational gift. This giving of ourselves to others isn't, you know, it's not a new idea, but it's often a neglected one. For example, a young man buys a a pound of coffee for his father and says, okay, one stipulation, here's the gift, but when you make this pot of coffee, um, I want to be with you and let's talk. So you can't make the coffee if I'm not there. But when we're together, make it and let's talk. What is that son saying to his father? He's he's saying, I want to spend time with you, Dad. I want to understand how you became the man that you are. And again, that gift became very relational, face-to-face interaction. That's the kind of presence we're talking about today, of giving of ourselves to others, because God did that for us. We need to do that for one another. See, as the gift of Jesus was personal, we need to model that again in our lives and make it personal. We've all received gifts from people in our lives that were less than personal, right? We have. Don't look at anybody, okay, right now. But the truth is we've given gifts like that too, right? I may have told this story before, but... It's worth repeating. One, it was Mother's Day or something, and that makes it even worse. It was Mother's Day. <laughs> Went to the store and got a gift, put it in a brown bag, and just kind of tossed it to my wife. That's terrible. That's terrible. Who does that, right? I, and she's just like, really? Like, it wasn't personal. I didn't take the time to wrap it. I didn't take the time to search for this gift. I just found something and put it and just gave it to her. Wow. Husband of the year. Wow. 
Mother's Day even, right? Don't do that. But we've all done that. We've all gotten a gift for somebody and we just didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. We just kind of, okay, hurry, get something. Get something for Uncle Joe and, and hurry, whatever it is. Relational giving means that we pay attention to the other person. We think about who they are and what they, you know, what they care about. You see, giving some generic gift to someone we haven't thought about in months or years, that's not the kind of giving that moves us closer to the story of Jesus. But we feel this pressure. We've got to get somebody for, you know, really? Make it relational. Make it personal because of the relationships you have with that person. God made it personal by sending us his son. God's gift to us was costly. It cost him everything. What does that mean for us as we, as we show how we give to one another? How do, how do we do that? See, when we give ourselves to others, it will cost us something. It won't cost us our lives like it did Jesus, but it will cost us something. Our time, our, our energy, sometimes even our money. You see, if we can resist the trap of giving easy gifts and reject the assumption that giving expensive gifts or a lot of gifts is the best way to communicate or express love, then I think we're, gonna, we're beginning to understand what Christmas is all about. If I just buy my kids a bunch of toys, a bunch of things that communicates that I love them. Really? If I just buy this expensive gift, my kids will know that I really spent a lot of money or my family or my wife or my husband... That will communicate that I love them. Again, things are great when we give. We're, we're giving because like Jesus, but they'll break. They'll wear out. Give of your time, of who you are. Let's give ourselves this Christmas. God gave us his presence. God's gift of Jesus was very personal. And God's gift was very costly. As we close today, I'm, I'd like to, to read a story. It's titled Red Marbles. Sit back, relax. Here we go. I live in the South and was at the corner grocery store buying some potatoes. I noticed a small boy, ragged but clean, hungrily appraising a basket of freshly picked green peas. I paid for my potatoes and, but was also drawn to the display of fresh green peas I'm a pushover for cream peas and new potatoes. Pondering the peas, I couldn't help overhearing the conversation between Mr. Miller, the store owner, and the ragged boy next to me. Hello, Barry. How are you today? Uh, hello, hello, Mr. Miller. Fine, thank you. Them peas sure look good. They are good, Barry. How's your ma? Fine. Getting stronger all the time? Good. Anything I can help you with? No, sir, uh, just admiring them peas. Would you like to take some home? Asked Mr. Miller. No, sir, I got nothing to pay with them for. Well, what do you have to trade, to trade me for some of those peas? All I've got is my prized marble here. Is that right? Let me see it, said Mr. Miller. Here it is. She's a dandy. I can see that. Hmm. Wow. Only thing is, this one is blue, and, and I sort of go for red. 
Do you have a red one like that at home? The store owner asked. Not exactly, but almost. Tell you what. Take this sack of peas home with you, and, and next trip this way, let me look at that red marble, Mr. Miller told the boy. Sure will. Thanks, Mr. Miller. Mrs. Miller, um, who had been standing nearby, came over to help me. With a smile, she said, there are two other boys like him in our community. All three are in very poor circumstances. Jim just loves to, to bargain with them for peas, apples, potatoes, tomatoes, or whatever. When they come back with their red marbles, and they always do, he decides he doesn't like red. After all, he sends them home with a, a bag of produce for a green marble or an orange one. And when they come on their next trip to the store... Well, I left the store smiling that day, impressed with this man. A short time later, I moved to Colorado, but I never forgot the story of this man, the boys, and their bartering for those marbles. Years went by, each more rapid than the previous one, until I recently had the occasion to visit some old friends in my hometown. And while I was there, I learned that Mr. Miller had died, and they were having his visitation that evening. Knowing my friends wanted to go, I agreed to accompany them, Upon arrival at the mortuary, we got in line to meet the relatives of the deceased and to offer whatever words of comfort we could. Ahead of us in line were three young men. One was in an army uniform, and the other two had nice haircuts, dark suits, and white shirts. All were very professional-looking. They approached Mrs. Miller, standing composed and smiling by her husband's casket. Each of the young men hugged her, kissed her on the cheek, and spoke briefly with her and moved on to the casket. Her misty blue eyes followed them as one by one each young man stopped briefly and placed his warm hand over the cold, pale hand in the casket. Each left the mortuary awkwardly, wiping their eyes. Our turn came to meet Mr. Mrs. Miller. I told her who I was and reminded her of the story in the store when so many years ago when she told me about her husband's bartering for marbles. With her eyes glistening, she took my hand and led me to the casket. Those three young men who just left were the boys I told you about. They just told me how they appreciated the things Jim traded them. Now at last, when Jim could not change his mind about color or size, they, they came to pay their debt. She went on to say, We've never had a great deal of wealth of this world, she confided, but right now Jim would consider himself the richest man in the world. With loving gentleness, she lifted the lifeless fingers of her dead, her deceased husband. Resting underneath were three exquisitely shined red marbles. We will not be remembered by our words, but by our deeds. Let's give more of ourselves to others. We believe hope lives. Because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, we can offer the same hope to others this Christmas season. Not only to family and friends on Christmas Day, but to our church family. Even to total strangers, even to foster kids we'll never ever see. God gave us his presence. Let's give others ours. God's gift of Jesus was very personal. Let's be personal in our giving. God's gift was costly. Let's you and I invest 
It's not necessarily money, but our time, our energy to one another. And as you leave today, um, an usher will hand you a red marble to remember to give more of your presence this Christmas. Let's pray. God, I think um, the words thank you feel so inadequate at times to, to express gratitude of, of what you've done. The miracle of Christmas, the infinite becoming finite as an infant, all because you love your people, all because you love us. And it's a reminder today to give of our presence to others, to give personally, maybe even with cost, because you demonstrated that. You showed us how to do that. So, Lord, I pray today, if there's someone here, that they, would, they don't have this gift of Jesus in their life, the greatest gift of all. They haven't received your presence yet, your son. I pray that they would today. They would bow their head and they would say, God, forgive me. I accept your gift, your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins. I accept that. Forgive me. And God, in that moment, your word says that the angels rejoice in heaven for even one who gives their life to you. So God, I pray this Christmas season, we don't let it go by like we always do sometimes in the hustle and bustle and and not really thinking about what you've done. But it doesn't stop there, Lord. Because of what you've done for us, we will turn around and do for others. Be a blessing. Be a support. Show love. Show grace. Because that's what you've done for us. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for sending your son. Jesus, thank you for being willing to be born, to start over to be born for us and to grow up, to die, to live again, and to give us this hope that we have. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.